Welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. I'm Caroline Rena, and here, let the ride inside adventure begin. I will share what it's like on my own healing journey, and through what I learn and become aware of, provide insight to your journey as well. Hey everyone, I'm Caroline Rena, and welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. Uh, this is season two, episode two, and where I'm going with this one is kind of a combination of the continuation of the story of actual physical travel and some things that have been coming up for me. So um, what I want to start sharing is actually, uh, well, I'll get into the ride inside adventure here in a moment, but um, I wanted to just share what happened uh, from my stay in North Carolina. Uh, basically, I was um, vacating there and um, for a few days and getting some writing in and kind of enjoying my time with my, with my friend and grateful uh, to him for his generosity. And um, I can't say enough about that but I, I'll, I'll stop here so we don't have a lot of time. Anyway, so I left uh, North Carolina and headed north and ended up in, uh, in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia and stayed there on my own at a, in a hotel room to just kind of settle and you know, get ready for what was coming next and hence the ride inside adventure that I... Uh, came up with. And um, the intention was that I was going to stay with my son in Northern Virginia. And that didn't happen because Dizzy Izzy, the snowstorm, which I haven't seen snow in like six years, decided it was going to come across and through. And I, although I've driven in snow before, and I do have a vehicle that um, will will suffice, uh, I haven't uh, been in a big snowstorm for a while and I really didn't want to deal with that. So instead of staying with my son, I ended up coming to West Virginia uh, two days earlier. And um, the timing couldn't have been more interesting. Um, I was somewhat prepared mentally for what was about to happen. And as things started happening or coming up for me here, uh, I knew that they were going to come up. I just um, it's not easy to, to, to walk through stuff like this, but it's, it's helpful. And a lot of us have never really been taught that it's okay to deal with our emotions and walk through things like this. So um, I arrived here where I am in West Virginia. Two days later, it starts snowing. I think we got about eight inches on the ground in my car. <laughs> It was just kind of cool because it had Florida plates on it with a big stack of snow on top of it. I thought that was interesting. And um, so I think I'll talk about uh, a bit here about what started. Uh, I just want you to understand that trauma, what I'm finding is trauma affects everything in life. And it's not like that with everybody. I'm seeing that too, because sometimes people, you know, I mean, look at somebody like Oprah Winfrey, who was, who went through a lot of trauma as a child, and now look, you know, and then there's people who just 
are, you know, crushed and aren't able to um, feel like they can come out of it, which at times in my life, it felt that way. I'm starting to see something different. I can't explain that either because it's, it's just a, it's almost like getting into that trust, learning how to trust myself, learning how to go deeply into myself and find the strength that I know is in there and that I was taught was not, I'm a weakling or whatever, you know, the little things that I've heard over the years. And anyway, so being in this space, I'm starting to see that I'm more clearly about things. Uh, and it's, it's also, um, I've been sequestered from like opinions and judgments for a while. And so now little things are coming up for me uh, as far as stuff that's been out in the world and working through those things. And I talk about it, it was just not um, something that was that I had to face. So now I'm facing these things. It's hard to explain anyway. So I'm, <laughs> I went into hibernation with the snow. Um, I've actually only been out twice to walk, which is kind of challenging, which is something I wanted to get into also <clears throat> about the body, because there's this thing, I woke up this morning about this thing between stillness and movement, like we need both. And a lot of us, me included, you know, I do the stillness part, but sometimes the movement part is difficult, especially if we work in front of a computer and we're constantly sitting and we don't get up and we don't walk around and we don't you know, get fresh air and all that type of thing. And <clears throat> stillness is basically about going inside and creating a safe space um, or finding a safe space. And sometimes if we've been through trauma, it's not easy to do that, but it's worth a shot because it is in there. I woke up this morning with this, like, I was so relaxed that my body was like so quiet. And that's what made me think about the stillness part <clears throat> and then about the movement. So what happened basically was I understand that, you know, they're talking about sitting as the new smoking. There's so much truth to that because our bodies weren't meant to just sit. We were meant to be active and to go into a state of peace and re relaxation. And um, years and years ago, I did this uh, class, which was an Osho meditation class. Osho, um, you can O-S-H-O, I'm not gonna get into that. I think he was like a, um, a meditation, can't really explain it, just you can look it up. Um, anyway, so his, his way of doing things was, and the class was showing how to like, get in like all kinds of movement, dancing, and shaking and all these different things and getting all that energy out first because it's easier to meditate, ding, 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 when all of that energy is not in our system. So from sitting, it creates this constant energy. And that's another thing I'm, I'm looking at um, bringing out more is, is helping people work through anxiety because it can cause anxiety. I've experienced that here because I'm used to being outside and walking every morning in, in Florida and now I'm not and because there's snow, it's snowing again. You know, it's like, there's a lot of information here and understanding that we are not taught. And so if our body doesn't move, if we don't get that movement, then we start to, our bodies start to deteriorate and 
disease come disease comes and all kinds of things can happen the mind starts to to treat us like which definitely happened here so um i did learn something from that uh i also experienced the energies driving through Pennsylvania to come to West Virginia of passing by places that I used to live and, you know, kind of grieving that and getting through that. And, um, I mean, basically here I am. And in the past week, I've done some, uh, some, I've learned some things some teachings it helps me to understand to get teachings and you know actual you know doing experiential stuff and i got an emdr uh, session and what's happening is it's a little bit different than what um, i've experienced with emdr before which really i didn't feel worked um there's the difference for me i noticed was more of a um the instruction and, and talking, a little bit of talking while doing the EMDR, checking in, seeing where I was, you know, that, that type of thing where the other EMDR I did didn't, it, it got, it didn't really get me anywhere, but like in the same place. And what I also noticed is because when I'm in a session with, um, like with the therapist that I worked with, who was amazing, very kind person, um, you're limited by time. And by being where I'm at right now, I'm not limited by time. So we were able to walk through it and continue it to its, you know, natural conclusion. So that helped a lot. Made me feel safe, made me feel like, you know, I was actually um, accomplishing something or getting to through to something or how, whatever that is. Um, and it felt good once it was over. And then afterwards, it was the next day, all kinds of stuff came out. So, you know, needless to say, I also looked at, um, looked online as to whether EMDR will open stuff up. And I kind of probably knew that already, but it did. And so I, I was working through the, you know, um, the feelings and the energies and all the stuff the very next day. So that was interesting, but I made it through. <laughs> using tools. I use music. I use breathing. I use uh, meditation the best I can, unless I'm like, I get dysregulated, a little agitated or whatever, because I don't know what's going on, even though um, my, my spirit knows what's going on. My body's like, what the heck is happening here? So anyway, that was part of it. And I also found out I had talked about um, the retaining world reflex uh, about a month ago, talking about the possibilities of what that was. And I explained what it was basically, you know, moral reflex is something that um, all of us have at birth. And, and if we were traumatized in some way during the birth process and after it, it can stay stuck in our bodies um, and cause, it's like a baby who gets startled or whatever, you know, they, they put their arms up and their legs. And, um, that's what happens with it, but we get stuck in that. And it turns out I was tested for it. And that's not what I, I got. Like, I don't have that. I have full out trauma, <laughs> trauma response, stuck stress response, fight or flight. I go into freeze, you know, that type of thing. That's what's, that's what's come up. So, um, let's see, I'm kind of looking at my notes here because I 
remember ever what to like fully talk about. <laughs> um, so I've noticed like the feelings inside of me that are both emotional and physical uh, came to the surface um, with all these things that were going on. Uh, we talked about things, we could call them stories, you can call them narratives, um, beliefs. There's a whole bunch of different things. Um, it stems from trauma. In my case, it was emotional neglect um, when I was a child. And these things are starting to process now. And um, one of the things that came up was that I have a hard time being criticized because I was criticized as a child. Um, I'm not talking about constructive criticism because I'm okay with that. Um, but I tend, when I get criticized about something that I know isn't true about me, I become, I start to over explain myself so I can feel like I'm understood by the person who was criticizing me. And generally what I found is that people who are open, loving, caring, what I'll say regulated, you know, that type of thing, they don't, they don't do that with me. I don't feel that way with them. It's usually people who are, are also dysregulated. Who I pick up on that dysregulation and I could get I feel like I get, you know, um, <clears throat> or people who want to be right or narcissists who I've had in my life who have, um, who I've felt like I can't, you know, I want them to love me, but I can't even get them to understand me type of thing. So these were things that have occurred in the past. Um, the other thing was that I learned about was this thing. Um, I, I don't have... I, my, one of my belief systems or stories was I don't have influence of what happens in my life. And something I learned about that was back in the day, they called it learned helplessness, um, talking about like dogs that they put in, um, in cages or whatever, and they'd shock them before they come out. So the dog, then they'd open the cage door and the dog would not come out. That's kind of how we tend to do things in threes. Where it's like, nope, not I'm not getting out, no. Um, and... There's a there's the new label that that I was told about talk, or shared with, and that was kind of like an involuntary res, uh, defeat response, or which can lead to an involuntary defeat syndrome. So you pretty much you know you, you feel defeated, you try again and you try again. Little by little, it kind of goes away. And I guess the syndrome piece of it is years of stacked and stacked and stacked defeat, feeling defeated, and so that that was coming up for me. And um, it also seemed to involve like a lack of control of my life and my body where I felt immobilized and trapped where I couldn't get out. And that, it, that seems to fall in line with the freeze portion of the, of the stress response, which was interesting because at one point I, um, I remember my, my mother, so I'm going to start getting into the mother stuff here soon, but um, my mother, wherever she went, she would always say to me, get me out of here. And I began to think that that wasn't necessarily the place that she was in the location. She felt so traumatized inside and so, you know, the stress response was kicking up and she was so in it that that's what she was saying about get me out of here. And I don't think she recognized, I, I know she didn't recognize it. I didn't really recognize it until I started doing this recently, you know. So um, some other belief systems, again, anything around time, 
um, like never having enough time to get done what I need to get done in this life, you know, before I, I move on to another dimension or level or whatever it is. And um, there's also the feeling of, of dread that whatever this is won't let go of me, that came up. And then finally, feeling left behind came up for me as well. And a few other things came up. Um, I'm not going to get into them because it's just, it's, it's just these things that I'm sure that a lot of us feel um, if we are sensitive to, this tra to traumas and are stuck. It's not even the trauma necessarily. I don't think anymore. It's the stuckness into the stress response, which a lot of us have that stuck on just based off of being in this society. Um, Let's see. Okay. Uh, uh, with that, talked about the EMDR session. Um, talked, I've talked about, oh, yeah. So during the EMDR session, I have talked about the teacher who called me a brat in second grade before. And what was interesting, somehow, part of the process, I assume, the teacher knew and understood that when I was seven years old, I was going through a lot in my life with a high conflict divorce of my parents, of living with my grandparents and my dad. And I was the only in my head, I didn't know. I, I think there was another person I connected with years later that said that they, they actually lived with their grandparents, but I didn't know that. <clears throat> I thought I was the only one. So, um, anyway, so the teacher within the process of the EMDR actually profusely apologized for calling me a brat. And in all the past work that I've done with that, I've never heard her say that before. And that settled that that settled me somehow. And I, you know, I can't get into the, the science or any of that stuff about how this works. I can just tell you that um, it did something. And it helped. And uh, I recognized that, yeah, as that child, maybe I did act out a bit in school. And in that, in that time frame, that was all she could deal with. And that's what she did. She called me a brat. But it stuck with me my whole life. And not many things stuck with me like that. A lot of the stuff happened I forgot about. So anyway, um, after that, after I heard that apology, I started to realize that not only did I, the burden thing, I always felt like a burden to people. Um, so not only did I uh, feel like a burden to the teacher and others, but then I recognized that I felt like a burden to myself. And um, so more mother stuff came up and I was trying to figure out what that was. And, you know, eventually I got to the point where with the teacher, I, and I've done this in personal development courses, I could see myself standing in front of her with my hands on my hips saying, I'm not a brat, leave me alone. And it was the first time that I've ever been able to express that. And that really, really helped because when we're little, we don't feel like we've got any kind of control or, you know, a place to be able to stand up to an adult who's treating us, you know, the way, not the way we need to be treated and loved and cared for and whatever. And we don't know to do that, but as an adult, we can rewire that. And, and being able to just say something like that and stand up to it is very powerful and it really helped a lot. Um, and so moving on, it's like the burden stuff came up, came up 
and um, like I think I was a burden to my mother. That's what I was thinking in my mind. And um, I want to mention here, there was one adult in my life. And, and I think that's what the challenge is, is that if a, if a child can have, if they don't have parents that can be that love for them, that there isn't anyone for them to understand what that looks like. And so they never really get a chance until they choose later on in life to get that opportunity to find out what that really looks like. So I did have one person, it wasn't consistent, it wasn't long lasting, but there was one person that um, that was like that for me. And um, I have to say her name. I, I was friends with her daughter when we were children and her name, God love her, because I, I don't remember any names of teachers, mostly don't remember from elementary school, but her name was Mrs. Farhus and she was the cafeteria lady. And I felt nothing but love and acceptance coming from her. And she was my lifeline for a while. And so uh, I explained that things began to release and things began to surface and it was a little challenging. And after the EMDR session in the next day, and um, there were some other things that came up. I mean, if you really want to get into that piece of it, you can go into my, my blog on Substack and read, read, what, that, read what that's about. Um, I also started talking about parentification because of my mother expecting me to take care of her by asking her certain things or having me do certain things that weren't at my childhood, you know, level. Uh, when, when I was when I was a little girl, um, for example, uh, I needed to take a bath one night, and she was busy with her friends, and I had to clean out the cat had gotten into the bathtub and, and gone to the bathroom in there and I had to clean out the litter. I had to clean out the, the poop, <laughs> you know, so it's like, and I think I was like five or six years old, you know, so for a five or six year old, especially during that time frame, these are things that start to stick with us and we don't feel important. We don't feel appreciated. We don't feel loved. We don't feel nurtured. We're, we're the ones doing, you know, whatever we're told to do and we don't have any recourse and I think the recourse part gets us into that stuck space because the only recourse, because we tend to stuff down emotions that we don't even understand what they are or are able to express them because when my, I feel like a temper tantrum for a child is, you know, an expression of anger and we don't let, we stop them from doing it right in the middle of it instead of letting them do it. And I've found in my adult life that doing a temper tantrum for five minutes actually helps release the energy of you know, whatever's going on inside. So how do you explain that to people who have been taught a different way? It's not that easy, but I'm just sharing with, sharing experiences I've had in, in recognizing what these things are. Um, okay, I like the word um, so I'm gonna keep saying it until I don't. <laughs> so uh, let's see. I think I can, I think I can let go of the rest of it. I want to say that, again, the tools that I used to help uh, um, calm my nervous system down would have been during this time was I was listening to some uh, uh, bilateral music 
that helped with that. And um, I did put a link to it on my um, my blog post, which I probably could, I'll make a note to do that. Uh, I'll put a link on the podcast as well to get the binaural music. Um, it's called binaural music, no copyright with and without nature sounds. However, it's bilateral. So it's almost like EMDR and it, it goes in, in each year separately. It is really, really relaxing. That helps. I continued with the breath work and the meditation. And yeah, so I mean, that's basically kind of what's been going on. I wanted to also real quick uh, talk about the things that have been um, surfacing for me to learn about and dive deeper into, I, I should say. And one of the things that has been created in our society is a mother wound. And I've noticed it's come up for me before, but I really haven't, you know, been able to share this information. I just kind of write everything down or whatever and looked into it a little bit. And I, maybe I wasn't ready or, you know, whatever that looks like from before. But the mother wound is, it, it's not an, an individualized wound for women. Um, it is an expansive um, thing this is just stuff that's coming up that, that I'm that I'm learning to understand what it is. I'm going to do some more research on it because that's what I do. The mother wound, we all get a mother, well, not all of us, but some of us get a mother wound from our mothers based on their trauma. And it comes down gener generationally. And for me, there was a lot of different things. There was the fact that my mother got pregnant before I was um, before her and my dad got married. That was back in the 60s, so that was a big deal back then. Um, then there was the piece of the generation, more generational piece of it, where there's the Holocaust survivor stuff. So there's a, another generational wound, mother wound. And my mother had no idea. Most women in my family did not know how to nurture because they were in a position where they had they were in survival mode from everything that was going on. Eastern European, Eastern Bloc European women are were in in such a state of survival that they couldn't, they locked down, they couldn't nurture. And so that went down the down the chain. <laughs> um, and so the mother wound is something where we get to as women and men get to grieve the things about our mothers that we thought was supposed to be the way to go, the, the way we wanted it to be. And our mothers couldn't do it. And being able to grieve that and then forgive that. And I've talked about this stuff over and over but again about the grief and forgiveness. So being able to go walk through that process to release the mother wound, you know, for example, I'll give you, um, let's see, I wrote this. The fact, grieving, the fact that I may have spent years of blaming myself for the pain of my family, you know, so, and, and we don't always do this consciously, we can do it subconsciously. So being able to grieve through that and, and to recognize that we had no control over that and we had no way of fixing it and, you know, it all goes on and on. And so grief can lead to anxiety and anxiety is something that I 
I uh, help people with, walk through, sit with, hold, hold space with. And it's very important because anxiety is something that happens in the moment. And it's not easy to walk through if you're crashing into what, what I've been calling or what's been called uh, dysregulation. So you, your, your entire body, your nervous system is completely dysregulated. Uh, it goes into hypervigilance. It goes into hyperactivity, you know, and this is not something we have uh, mental control over. Well, how do I say that? Physical control over once it's in there. So it's all part of our, um, our autonomic nervous system. It's all part of the brain. It's all part of the body, you know, so it's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of stuff going on here within this human, human form, you know, and learning, maybe learning or experiencing one little thing at a time just to get some relief and move forward with the relief or whatever. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is the mother wound is important in its own right because women in our society, in society's past, have been downgraded, demoralized, all these different things happening which trials, because we're considered, you know, uh, whatever, whatever was going. And a lot of the stuff that was going on back then was intuition and people didn't understand what intuition was. So a lot of things have happened with downplaying women, you know, and I'm, and I'm not like this freak, you know, whatever about women's rights and all the rest of that stuff. It's not even about women's rights. It's about life's rights, <laughs> life's, life's right to be who we are and be on this planet and do what we're capable of doing and finding the strength inside of us and the love inside of us to nurture and bring out and not fight anymore and not, you know, freeze because we've been taught these things that are not true about ourselves or whatever, you know, I mean, I'm just sharing this. This is all uh, sharing information, whatever that I think about. Um, I don't want to downplay the father wound. However, the father wound is a little bit different in that, especially like within the realm of what um, what's called parental alienation or alienation or family bond obstruction. There's so many different words. Nobody, somebody doesn't like one word or whatever. Um, and that's okay because when we label uh, something, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly what's going on. So anyway, the words that are used for parental alienation, people in the parental alienation world a lot of the situation is where um, mothers are pushing the fathers out and they do, there's, there's so much behind that. And then you're creating a father wound of absence, you know, so that's not helpful to a child and they're doing it for child support, child support or getting money from the state or whatever, whatever the reasons are behind it. They're creating a father wound and father wounds are tricky as they are without being created. Um, on, on top of, you know, so there's more stacking going on that I talk about, that I've talked about before. But um, the father wound is important too. And in that respect, and in, and in some other respects, what I'm getting into because of my own experience, and I have, I have had a father wound as well. Um, and I believe that I've worked through that. I don't know, we'll find out. Um, but the mother wound is huge because of how women and mothers, how confusing it's been for, for women and mothers in a lot of cases. I mean, for those of you who broke through some of that stuff, great, more power to you. But there are women out there who have not. 
And um, even to the simple, simplest thing of, you know, trying to prove to their, even if they had a great relationship with their mother, um, but they still feel like they can't be successful or whatever, because they couldn't be successful in a relationship with their mother or whatever that, whatever that looks like. It, it's, it's something that we as women get to get to walk through and heal in order to bring balance to the planet. Now, the other thing about the mother wound is that boys have a mother wound too, just like girls have a father wound. So it's not, uh, it's not exclusive, or I think I got the right word. It's mutually inclusive, mutually. I probably doubled, doubled that one. But what that does is what it, it tells me also, because we have the divine masculine and the divine feminine inside of us waiting to come out to balance within ourselves. That's the place where we start. It comes out into the world and balances the world from what we have out here of both toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. And I'm not saying this to rile anybody up because that's not the intention. When I come from, where I come from is a space of healing. If I say something that riles you up, I'm not doing it to rile you up. I am doing it to express what I am finding, what I'm understanding. It's not any of our fault that this is going on, but it is our responsibility to find a way to help ourselves. And once we help ourselves, it goes out into the world. Um, be the change you want to see in the world. I'll say that over and over again, because in order to see change outside of us, we need to look inside of ourselves because there's something we're carrying and it, and it may not even, it could be generational. We don't even know what it is, or we don't even have an understanding of what it is and how it works. So I will, I, what I like to say is to be able to find the truth inside of ourselves in order to shift ourselves in the world, which we can do because what, we see inside of ourselves how we see us is expressed out into the world. And we are very powerful beings, whether we believe that or not. So that's what I'm finding in this. And um, I think that there's, there's some positivity on the other side of, of understanding this. And all of these things that are happening in our world is an out, is an outputting out something it's it's if we feel angry inside we're going to put that out to the world and then if everybody's doing that there's going to be an angry world if we feel love inside if we feel peace inside then we put that out to the world because that's how we feel and so the world becomes loving and peaceful and so i highly, highly put out, suggest putting, putting out there to find that if you're in that space where all these things are coming up in the world or in, in your space for you, and it's your, it's time for you to take a look at what that is. It gives, it's giving you an opportunity to take a look at what that is and to heal whatever that is within you, because the more of us that do that inside, the more it expresses out into the world. And I'm pretty sure a good portion of us would rather see love and peace than anger and friction and hatred and whatever else is going on out there. So let's cancel out that stuff and 
look into or start looking into the possibilities of healing yourself. It all starts in your own backyard. And I'm going to say one more time if I come out again, it's not easy. It's challenging. However, make sure you have some type of support. Find your way of doing it. Find your person that can help you. Find your, you know, spiritual way of doing it. If you want to go in that direction, find, I'm noticing that the best way to go in is the body because the body is our vehicle here. And we need, we need to understand how that fits in and how that works because we aren't just a mechanical thing. We are mind, body, spirit, uh, soul, heart. That's what we are. You know, that's, that's the truth inside. That's part of the, that's part of what we get to learn. Um, and my hope and the hope that I hope to create out there is that we can do that and create that, that loving and peaceful world. So anyway, probably talk longer than I usually do. I don't know. Um, I want to say that I am in the process of looking at uh, people to interview. I, I have um, started setting up um, time slots to do interviews uh, because I'm curious to see what other people are doing in this world. And, you know, I mean, I'm bringing it out to whoever sees it. And so, yeah, uh, so that's, that's part of this process as well. Again, the ride inside is what an adventure that is. So I uh, hope you're getting something from this. And if anything, just the fact that a connection with me or through me to you, um, knowing that I get it and there's someone and you're not alone and there's someone out there who understands uh, what you might be going through. So anyway, uh, I guess that's considered a wrap. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening or uh, it's hard to do this wherever you are in the world. Have a wonderful day, evening, night, sleep, you know, whatever. And I will see you next time on the Ride of My Life podcast. Thank you. Thank you.